0: the Romans did carry out a a wide variety of surgical procedures. They operated for cataracts, they operated for hernias, removing bladder stones.
1: Join us for another episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects, Stories from Lancaster City Museums. I'm Rachel Roberts and I'm the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series we're looking at 100 objects from Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area to celebrate a century of our museums and to find out more about the past and how we relate to it now. In today's episode we're going back to Roman Britain and inside the human body. We're looking at a small but intriguing object that may have helped save someone's life. Today's object is a set of Roman forceps. These forceps would have been used for delicate work, as they're only small, just 14cm high and about 1.5cm across. They look very like modern cosmetic tweezers, with two arms connected at the top and slightly serrated sections on the inside at the ends which pinch together. They're made of bronze but are dark in colour due to tarnishing over the years and have decorative moulding near the top. At the opposite end to the arms is a small curved section which is serrated and decorated with a small cross shape. Since they look like an object still familiar to us now, when you look at the forceps it might be hard to guess their age or purpose. They were found amongst the Roman remains in Vicarage Field during excavations that took place between 1927 and 1929, and there are some subtle details about them that tell us that these were probably used by a Roman surgeon. We spoke to Brian Rhodes, a retired surgeon, honorary lecturer at Lancaster University, and a lecturer with the Society of Apothecaries, to help us understand the full history of these forceps, and what surgery might have meant in the Roman world.
0: These forceps were found in the late 1920s when there was an archaeological dig carried out by two professors from Liverpool, Professor Droop and Professor Newstead. These were found in one of the trenches in isolation. The fact that they're made of bronze is very useful in this situation because the instruments didn't corrode. Some of the Roman instruments that were made of iron, for example, scalpels, did corrode, so very few of these survived whereas a lot of the instruments that were made of bronze did survive. And the example in the Lancaster City Museum collection is a particularly fine example. And it has a very interesting feature of it, which I will come to, which helped us to determine that these were surgical forceps and not forceps used for other purposes, such as removing hairs. We know quite a lot about what they were doing surgically, partly from the finds of things like instruments, and mosaics, etc. And also from archaeological discoveries, such as the small hospitals that are located at some of the forts on Hadrian's Wall. There's not a lot of documentary evidence. However, there were two very prominent writers in the Roman period who both wrote about surgical subjects. One of them was called Galen he was from greek ancestry born in a place called pergamon which is now in turkey he started his career as a surgeon to the gladiators arena in pergamon he practiced surgical procedures there He went on to move to Rome and became a very prominent physician, working for two of the emperors and a number of notable citizens. And he wrote very prolifically, probably over 300 books. About 150 of those have survived, and his writing about anatomy and surgery was influential for many centuries, was only challenged in the 15th century onwards. The second writer was a person called Aulus Cornelius Celsus. He was a little bit earlier than Galen, and he was a Roman citizen. He wrote an encyclopedia of 21 volumes, and only the eight volumes, which are about medicine, survived. He writes very practically about surgical procedures. He was the first person to describe the four signs of inflammation, he was the first person to describe tying bleeding blood vessels with ligatures. He was very keen on hygiene and washing wounds. And he also described a specialised surgical instrument for removing arrowheads, which he called the scoop of Diocles.
1: So how are these forceps made? And how can we be so sure they were used by a surgeon?
0: This is what is particularly exciting for me because they're a really fine example of forceps and I I do believe that they are surgical forceps because of the design. I've recently been studying one of the major textbooks on surgical instruments from this period written by Professor Lawrence Blickwiz and it's called The Tools of Asclepius. And he describes a number of different surgical instruments, including surgical forceps that have been discovered. Forceps were a particularly common instrument for the Roman surgeons to use. If you look at all the surgical instruments discovered at Pompeii, for instance, over 15% of them were forceps. Uh, The very term forceps is a Latin term. It comes from two words, formus, which is hot, and capia, which is to hold. The Romans were particularly good at making surgical instruments, and they mastered the three different techniques for making surgical forceps, including possibly the most difficult one, which is cutting the forceps out of a block of metal. The ones in the Lancaster City Museum collection have quite an intricate design. If you look at them, they've got six different sections. They're perfectly symmetrical. I think they were either cut from a block of metal Or it's possible that they were cast in a mold using a technique called the lost wax technique. What makes them particularly interesting is not the arms, the forceps which were used to grasp. It's the other end. It's about three centimeters long and it's slightly curved and it's got some fine serrations on it. It is thought that that's a lever, bone lever. Similar forceps were found in a surgical kit in a burial plot in Germany in a place called Aschersleben and that's why we can say that these are surgical forceps and not forceps that were just used for plucking hairs off somebody's face. We use bone levers a lot in orthopaedic surgery And we would use small bone levers with a similar end to the ones on these forceps to put around a bone to expose it. For example, if we wanted to put the two ends of a broken bone together.
1: As well as finds of surgical equipment like these forceps, we also know about Roman surgery through the discovery of hospitals at Roman sites. But has a hospital ever been found in Lancaster?
0: The Romans arrived in 43 AD or CE, And they gradually moved up the country. As they moved up England, they established a series of forts for what was essentially a military occupation. From 122, they built Hadrian's Wall. And along Hadrian's Wall is probably the first network of trauma hospitals. You can find these small hospitals in places like Germany as well. They were called Valetudinaria and they're all of a similar design you can visit the one at howstead's fort which is in the center of hadrian's wall there's a tombstone there to a young doctor that died but they all had a similar design which was a central courtyard and small rooms on the outside we have no evidence that there was such a hospital in lancaster however The forceps that were found by Professors Droop and Newstead give us an indication that there was surgical activity in Lancaster. There was a large fort. We know that there were two or three different military units in Lancaster at different times. You can imagine that there would have been a number of injuries which would have required surgical treatment the way they dealt with injuries, there's a lot of common themes with modern surgical practice. If you ask me to guess, I would guess they were used for the military purposes rather than the civilians, but it's impossible to be certain. Surgical procedures would have been carried out for both groups, but this is a large fort with a lot of military personnel and a relatively small permanent population, at least initially. Having said that, the Romans did carry out a a wide variety of surgical procedures. They operated for cataracts, they operated for hernias, removing bladder stones. So it could be either.
1: We wanted to know how Roman surgery fitted into the wider Roman beliefs about medicine. What did the Romans believe about health? And how did ancient doctors go about diagnosing and treating the human body?
0: They adopted a lot of the Greek practice and principles, and of course the Greeks themselves had adopted practice and principles from ancient Egypt. So the Greek system involved the use of bathings, the Roman bathhouse that's in Lancaster, would have had a health care aspect. There was also a spiritual element to their health care. The Greek god of healing was called Asclepius, and the Romans adopted Asclepius as their god of healing. For example, if you go a little bit further along Hadrian's Wall to a place called Chester's Fort, there is a statue of Asclepius that the Romans would have used for praying to when they had an illness or an injury. The Romans gradually adopted the Hippocratic system, which involved belief in the four humours, blood, black bile, yellow bile and phlegm. And basically it was a disturbance of the humours that was thought to cause illness. The doctor might examine you, he might test your pulse, decide if you had a fever and then he would have to decide what kind of disturbance of humours you had and how to deal with it. So the methods of treatment could involve various herbal medicines, but could also involve surgical treatments such as cupping. Basically, you took some blood into a cup from an incision. They also used dry cupping, which was applying a cup to the body. And the idea was that it might draw one of these humours towards it. So they used a lot of sort of modern things, but they also had this, what you might describe as alternative medicine.
1: So how similar are these forceps to equipment that a modern surgeon might use? And are there any similarities between what a Roman might undergo on the operating table and procedures carried out today?
0: If you looked at the end of these forceps with two arms, a sort of traditional end, if you like, they are very similar to modern surgical forceps. We would call these non-toothed forceps. The Romans also had tooth forceps, so that's at the grasping end. Forceps could have two teeth stuck out. And that allowed you to grasp things that are slippery, perhaps. A modern surgeon who's using forceps to hold something delicate, like an artery or an, a nerve or something, he would ask for some non tooth forceps, like the Lancaster ones. And they might look quite similar. They wouldn't be made from bronze. They would be made from stainless steel. So the instruments the Romans use, some of them are very similar to modern instruments, bone levers, etc., On the other hand, obviously, the way we practice surgery has changed a lot. If you went back to maybe the end of the 18th century, some of the techniques might be very familiar for the Roman surgeon. But by the end of the 19th century, we have introduced ether and chloroform as anesthetics that made surgery a lot more comfortable. The surgeon, he didn't have to operate as quickly and we could then develop new techniques. And of course, when Joseph Lister came along with antiseptics, then the great fear of infection was reduced considerably. But also this concept of bloodletting that had come from Greek times that gradually disappeared as well. I mean, it is very strange when you look back at, for instance, at the Battle of Waterloo, where injured soldiers who were bleeding heavily had bloodletting performed as a form of treatment. It just seems really crazy.
1: Thank you so much for tweezing out some more fascinating historical facts with us today why not listen to some of our other episodes, where we look at everything from keys to cluedonometers.